baptisms those amazing four different stories people so different to each other but all with the same answer to what they were searching for Jesus and you might be here and you might have oh by the way my name's Tiffany that was on there as the first thing I should say I'm Tiffany I'm sorry you might be like who's that random person up there Um, but you might have been here and you might have seen a hundred baptisms before or you might be here and this might be the first baptism you've ever been to And you might be thinking, it's a little bit strange. And don't get me wrong, that secret trap door down there with um, a pool in it is a bit odd. But baptism itself is um, an amazing declaration, as Hannah told us and as each of um, those teenagers in their testimonies told us. I feel like they've already nicked everything I was going to (laughs) say. But um, as we saw just then, when they went down into the water, that was the old them dying and being buried and you might be here and not be a Christian today and you might be thinking why did they need to die what was so bad about them if you go to your bible you'll see that it explains our condition before we get into a right relationship with God but we've got to go back to the beginning when God first made us humans it said God made us in his own image to glorify him And if we go to Genesis 1, we can read all about it there. It tells us how he made Adam and Eve, and they had this perfect existence where there was no sin, no pain. They had a face-to-face relationship with God. It says that they were naked and unashamed. Can you imagine such a world? I don't think we need the first part back, but no shame and no pain would be amazing. But... It wasn't enough for them. They believed a lie that said God was holding back on them, that there was something missing, and they chose to disobey this loving, protective God. And when they did, uh, you probably all know the story, they ate the forbidden fruit, and when they'd done that, sin and pain and suffering entered into their perfect world. And that relationship face-to-face they enjoyed with God was destroyed because of their sin. And we all, since Adam and Eve, have chosen that same path, and... We're physically alive, but without God, we're spiritually dead. But God didn't leave us like that. He had a plan, as you just saw, to bring us into a relationship with him. And the baptisms today, they weren't four young people saying they want to follow the faith of their parents. They were four young people who God graciously breathed life into, saving them from spiritual death caused by sin. And that's why we celebrate it so much. It's the gift of salvation. God did not leave us without hope because he loves us. And it says it in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, that God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, he made us alive together with Christ. God himself sent his only son, Jesus, and he willingly chose to pay for our wrongs, all of us who've done wrong by bleeding and dying and being nailed to a cross. And he himself had never done a thing wrong. He lived a perfect life, not even thought a wrong fault. And it says he was killed by the hands of sinful men and he did that for you and he did that for me and he'd do it again, but he doesn't have to because it was once for all. But as we saw, as those four people were raised back up, he, he didn't stay dead. The tomb where they laid and heavily guarded his body, it was found, but it was empty. The body was never found because Jesus rose from the dead. He was resurrected. 
and the cross, that shows that the payment for all our sin was made and the resurrection shows that the payment for each and every one of our sins was accepted by God and the result of sin, which is death, has been forever broken and Jesus has done this. And that's what it represented. They come out and they now walk in this newness of life. So for a Christian, death's no longer the end of the story. Instead, it says that death has been swallowed up in victory. They've been born again. And when physical death comes, like it will for all of us, it's just an entry door into eternal life with God forever in this so good we can't even imagine it, eternal life. And each of us here are offered this amazing free gift of God, which is eternal life. And this does not come with terms and conditions, and it cannot be earned. I really felt God say strongly, it cannot, cannot, cannot be earned. No one deserves it more than others. God don't favour any certain type of people over another, and he's now saving people from every people group and every walk of life and every nation all over the world, and he's transforming them, giving them hope, and he longs to do that for you today if you do not know him. And enjoying that relationship with our Father, that is what we're made for. If you're searching, that he's the answer. And what was lost at the beginning with Adam and Eve has been restored a millionfold in Jesus. It's the most amazing news we could ever hear. And if you're not a Christian here today, and this is doing something inside your heart, tell someone you came with or come up here at the end because God accepts all sorts. Trust me, if he didn't, I would not stand a chance. It don't matter who you are, where you're from. We're all dead in sin, all in the same boat. And as T.O. mentioned, um, it's not the healthy you need a doctor, but it's the sick. He loves you no matter who you are. And this is the gospel. It says in Romans 1 in the Bible that the gospel is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. And this gospel, as we heard, it transforms us in a moment. We go from dead to alive, from dark to life, and darkness to light in a moment. The second we believe, it tells us we've got a new position now. We're saints, we're holy ones, we're children of God. I don't deserve this, and neither do you, but it's the gift of life. But we're not suddenly perfect like Jesus, are we, overnight? God's begun a good work in each one of us, and it says he will complete it. But we now enter this life of transformation. Transformation doesn't look like changing our personalities. God made us all uniquely. We're not meant to become like each other or like the people around us, but we're meant to become more like Jesus. But it don't just happen when the right circumstances happen in life or when we're doing things really, really well. That's not when we're transformed the most all the time. Because we still live here on this earth and it's still full of temptation and pain. I don't need to tell you that because you're a human, you experience it. Struggles and doubts in all of our lives. And I felt like when I was praying um, about what to say in this preach, I felt God wanted me to mention transformation. And that's what Dio spoke about in the worship time. And I, I felt him show me these three things that we experience as normal human beings in a broken world that we might believe stops us from being transformed or almost gets in the way. But the truth is, nothing can stop transformation. We just need eyes of faith, not perfect circumstances. And the first experience I felt I should talk about is um, suffering and pain. Feels like it's just got a little bit quieter in here. <laughs> I promise it is good news, it is good news. Because we all go through it in different ways at different times in our lives. And some people suffer more than other people. We can't pretend to understand why that is. 
And you might have started this new year having had a, a really restful, lovely Christmas, and maybe 2022 was mainly a good year for you. And if it was, that's amazing. That's God's kindness. That's so good. But you also might have had the tragedies and losses of the last year highlighted for you at Christmas time. And if you're honest, last year wasn't a good year. You might be coming into this new year in pain. And I had a mixture of both. We've got this lovely new house we've just moved into. It's our first Christmas there. But this last year or so, we've had some really painful things going on in my family. We're living with joy and pain at the same time, but that is often what life looks like in a fallen world, isn't it? And I remember when I was baptised, just looking at um, everyone who's baptised up here now, and someone come up to me, because when, you know, when they were all praying for each other, someone felt they had a word um, for me from God. And I thought it was going to be something like, you are going to go from glory to glory, and the seas will part for you, which would have been handy because I can't swim, <laughs> so it would have been a good thing. <laughs> but it wasn't that. Um, Instead, he gave me a verse from Psalm 23, and it said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, um, I will be, do not fear, because God is with you. And he told me I was going to go through some really hard, dark times, but I wasn't to be afraid. And this was on my baptism day, and I, I just thought about it, and I thought, I hope I'd have the guts to do that, if, if God was speaking, because sometimes we can almost feel a little bit offensive by saying that, almost like pain and suffering, it needs to be glossed over, like our faith won't be able to deal with anything, but happy, happy, happy news, but that's just not always our reality, is it? And a few years later, after my baptism, when I was laying in a hospital bed and we were saying goodbye to our tiny baby boy and we were confused and we were devastated and we just did not know why it was happening. But I remembered those words that that man had told me. I remembered the promise that this amazing God who had the power at my baptism when I was converted to save me from all my sin also had the power to get me through every pain I would experience in this life. And he promised to walk with me as I went through that painful time. We become more like Jesus, not by trying in our suffering to put on a brave face, but by looking into the gracious, kind, loving face of a saviour who suffered himself, who suffered for us. It was devastatingly painful nonetheless, but God's promises brought me through that time. Promises like Romans 8 that said that the sufferings of this present time weren't even worth comparing with the glory that was going to be revealed to us. And your suffering might be different. It might be a long-term sickness or mental health issues. It takes all different suffering, but we all go through different things at different times, and it can happen at any age. It might take us by surprise and try and threaten our faith. But we're to throw ourselves into the everlasting arms of our Father. And as we do that, we are transformed into becoming more like Jesus, who the Bible tells us was a man of suffering, he was familiar with pain. And I know suffering's a massive, massive subject. I don't pretend to know everything, and I don't think we could get through, you know, some things. We're not really going to know the answer until we're in eternity. We might have those questions. Why then? Why now? Why us? Why again? But the good news of the gospel tells us that our suffering is not meaningless, and it will not have the final say. Do you know that the Bible says we're more than conquerors? And I used to think to myself, what does that mean? And I think it means that not only will that suffering not have the final say, but it will be forced into bowing down and serving us in our transformation of becoming more like Jesus. 
We need to keep looking up, though, and we need to preach the gospel to ourselves. We need to be in community and be open and honest and allow people to help. This year, if suffering comes your way as a Christian, remember it can't stop God's work in your lives. Remember the gospel. All things will work together for our good. And we can be transformed to be more like Jesus, even through times of suffering. And the next thing I felt God wanted me to talk about was silence. I felt for some of us here today, we feel like God's gone silent. It's almost like we know the truth, but we're not experiencing like the felt presence of God in our lives. And I felt God wanted me to mention this, especially for those of us who haven't had a good experience with what a father is. We might find it harder to imagine this kind of love, this faithful, in-it-for-the-long-term love, if we've not experienced it anywhere else in the world. But to be honest, even if you've had the best dad in the world, he's not going to have been perfect. No one is. And my dad was mostly absent. He was in prison a lot of the time growing up or just off and he knows that and we've got a good relationship now and I know he couldn't ever give what he hadn't received but nonetheless not having um, a father around can really affect how you and me see God as our father. We might see him as harsh or just not interested at all but that's not the father, that's not the father God. I'm still learning this. It tells us in the book of Isaiah, which speaks the heart of the father to us. It says, can a mother forget the child that was nursed at her breast or have no compassion on the child she has born? It says, though she may forget, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. You are mine. That is what he speaks over us. Jesus himself said he no longer goes to the father on our behalf, but we, we can go to him now because he loves us and he welcomes us. But let's be honest, we don't always feel like that's true. Silence can feel painful, but I really believe God's doing some of his most transformative work in us if we're going through this. We learn not to live on the bread of our feelings, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. And we learn to do the opposite of what this world says, which is go by your feelings. We learn to persevere, and that develops character, it says in the Bible. So if we experience this seeming silence of God this year, let's be open about that in community and help each other, looking at the glory of God in the gospel as we can be transformed even through seeming silence. Because we all go through it at some point, but the truth doesn't change even when our feelings do. And the last way I felt God wanted to remind us of his power of the gospel to transform us is when we are tempted to sin. God never tempts us, but we all struggle with that internal battle with sin. And I know many of you in this room are very holy, and I know you're a lot further along than I am, but I'm a struggler. (laughs) Um, I surprise myself sometimes with just how sinful I am. I'm not sure why I'm so surprised. Frank's looking at me like, yeah, no, I'm not sure why you're so surprised either. (laughs) Uh, I never know why I'm so surprised, but... um, My kids don't let me forget it, and I don't know if anyone else with kids in this room finds that they love, they delight to tell people your worst moments sometimes. It's really out of order. (laughs) But the other day, we had some people from this church round ours, and we were all chatting in the living room, and out of the blue, one of my kids, who will remain nameless, but she's my only daughter and her name begins with S, (laughs) she turned around, and she said, um, I'm like, should I even share this story? It makes me sound terrible, but, you know, it's true. She said, oh, yeah, my mum, she, she went mad the other day. She started shouting us in the car. She said that, she's saying this to people at her house. They didn't ask her. And she's going, we, she was shouting us in the car, and she said, 
If we didn't shut up while she was driving, she would slap us both so hard that we wouldn't be able to talk for a week. <laughs> oh, what can I say? It might have been a quiet a week if I'd have just done it. <laughs> the thing is, I am joking, I wouldn't say it. But I can't deny it, it happens. They were fighting in the back, they wouldn't listen, and I lost the plot and I reacted in anger. I'm a sinner and I've been saved by the power of the gospel and I need the power of the gospel to transform me as well. We all are. I, I know the Bible. I know it talks about fits of rage being ungodly. But here I am. And that's not the only thing I struggle with. Far from it. And you might not struggle with that. For you, it, it, could, be, it could be bitterness, unforgiveness, something you can't stop looking at on your phone. If you can't think of one, it could be pride. <laughs> The thing is, we all struggle. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1 that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But also in that book, it, it says again, little children, I am writing these things to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is the good news of great joy in our sin. This is the gospel. God sees our sin and he's grieved by it because when we're sinning, we're, although he never stops loving us, we're not experiencing his love for us. But his love doesn't change. The thing is, sin hurts us. And when we're, but when we're doing and thinking the worst things, if you're a born-again Christian here today, his love for you does not change. He upholds you. It says that Jesus Christ is there. He's our advocate. So he's, he is literally interceding on our behalf, saying to the Father, look, I've paid the ultimate price. Look what I did on the cross, Father. It is enough. Forgive them. And this just seems unbelievable. But this is the scandal of grace for a Christian. We run away after we sin sometimes, thinking, I better sort myself out. Or we hear that voice, call yourself a Christian, you're terrible. <laughs> God's not pleased with you. I think if only we ran to the Father instead of away from him. And I just love what this man says. Oh, I can't pronounce his name, I've been practising. Horatius Bonner? Anyone know? But what he says is amazing. He says, terror accomplishes no real obedience. Suspense brings forth no fruit unto holiness. No gloomy uncertainty as to God's favour can subdue one's lust or correct one's crookedness of will. But the free pardon of the cross uproots sin and withers all its branches. Only the certainty of love, forgiving love, can do this. And I just love that. <laughs> the power of the gospel saved us. And the power of the gospel will set us free from the power of our sin. This is love. It's just so merciful. But we need each other. We need community because it says we can confess our sins to one another. It's a biblical thing to do. We don't need to pretend to be more than we are. We need to look up together to Jesus to remind ourselves of his forgiving love in the gospel. And the Bible says that when we look at him, we become like him, not as we modify our behaviour, but as we behold his face together. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Holy Spirit does the transforming. We don't take any credit for it. We just look up. My own strength won't stop me from going mental at my kids next time. <laughs> I need God to work in me. <laughs> we all do. And there'll be ups and downs as we're being transformed and walking as a Christian. There's struggles and triumphs along the way as we're transformed. But 
God's not now trying to make us better people in the sense of like more knowledgeable or more refined or classier people. He's not telling us to move up the ranks but to join ranks shoulder to shoulder as Hannah Simu so passionately and powerfully reminded us in her video last week. Not sure if you saw that but if not see if you can get it. It was amazing. Um, we're to go as the people of God into our communities to tell people this good news of Jesus. It's the call on each one of our lives. If you're a Christian, even if you've just this second been baptised, it is the call now in your life. God's transforming us, not to make us more organised or clever or impressive, but to make us more like Jesus, more gentle, more humble, more lowly, more kind and able to feel love because we, through our own suffering and our own temptations and doubts, slowly becoming the kind of people that God can use and don't we want the suffering and the fatherless and the sinners to find their place here amongst us to feel welcome here if you feel weak at the beginning of this new year that's all right be content in weakness because that's when the power of God rests upon you the most I just wanted to um, end with this verse in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9 it says God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's his grace, it's his power. Jesus has called each one of us to good works. This year, there are good works planned ahead for each one of us to walk in. And we've all been given gifts and strengths and lots of weaknesses. And we're part of the bride of Christ. And one day, Jesus is going to return for his church. And it says we're going to be presented before him in splendor and in holiness. And on that day, he's going to have his work completed in each one of us. We won't struggle with sin anymore. We won't struggle with suffering and we won't struggle with doubt. That's how the story ends. And because we know that, we can have strength to endure any dark chapters that might come up along the way. So whatever this year brings, let's remind ourselves of this amazing gospel. Let's not forget we need each other. We need to be open and honest and authentic. What, what attracts broken people more than that? Open, honest, authentic people who love God and who've been saved by him. And I just wanted to um, pray for us now as, as we end. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if we've got time for a song. No, I'm just going to pray. Lord, I um, want to pray for us as 2023 begins that each one of us will walk confidently into this new year on the unshakable ground of the gospel, no matter what happens. God, make us more like you this year, more accepting and loving and kind. And I just pray, God, for deep gospel transformation for each one of us this year, no matter the circumstances. And I, I pray that many, many others will come to know you as a result of seeing normal people who have been saved and transformed by this amazing, extraordinary God. I just pray you'll bring many more to you, Lord, and your kind, loving heart that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name.